Hey, it's Brian here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Go Be More podcast. For those of you who've never heard of Go Be More Apparel, I just want to take 30 seconds to tell you what we're about. We believe we all have a responsibility to chase our dreams, and we want to give you the motivation, the mindset, and the permission to do it. We want our apparel to be a constant reminder of your commitment to achieving your goals. And we want the words Go Be More to remind you of your dreams and your next steps every time you see them. As for this podcast, every Tuesday, John and I cover topics that will help to unlock your potential and get you moving forward. But we believe we can do that even better by inviting on some amazing people to have them share their Go Be More stories with us. That's why we're embarking on something new with this episode and doing our first interview. Our 50-minute talk with Mike Lemos covers a range of topics, from his focus on nutrition as the foundation of his health, to his love of cycling and music, and his emphasis on community and not going it alone. On the way, he name-drops a Hungarian Olympian, shares some stories of running in San Diego, and tells our version of the Gingerbread Man story even better than we do. Mike truly embodies the Gobi More spirit. Going forward, you can expect a new interview every Friday. I also want to note before we get started, we had some audio issues, so we're using our backup recordings for this episode. All right, on to the interview. We're incredibly excited to invite Mike Lemos to the podcast. Mike has been in my life for almost as long as I can remember, as he's one of my mom's closest friends. They've not only served in the same church choir for at least over 20 years, I actually don't know how long, they've created other musical groups and they consistently perform together. But despite the fact that Mike is on my mom's personal Mount Rushmore, and, and despite being in my life for as long as I can remember, I actually didn't know Mike very well until we launched Go Be More. Immediately after launching our online store, Mike became our first customer, and he immediately connected with us and helped us spread the word. And I eventually came to realize that Mike has had quite a Go Be More journey. A few years ago, Mike was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, and this diagnosis led him to improve his nutrition, to get serious with his cycling as a source of daily exercise, and to emphasize mindfulness, meditation, and his spiritual relationship with God in an effort to improve his health. And the results have been amazing. Mike has lost about 40 pounds. He reversed his type 2 diabetes in nine months. He's currently training to compete in the San Diego, California State Senior Games Championships. And in 2018, he even went on to go back to school and get his bachelor's degree. I asked my mom uh, before we got on here if there was anything else I should add to my introduction and uh, anything really juicy, really embarrassing. And she said, no, she said, she's just super impressed with the transformation that Mike was able to complete given it's, if it was a transformation that took place physically, mentally, and spiritually. So, uh, it's only fitting that our customer number one should be our podcast guest number one. And I'm really pleased to invite Mike onto the show. Mike, thank you for joining us. How are you? Hi, Brian. I am, I'm, Doing really well. I'm excited to be here. I'm really thrilled that you asked me on board as your very first guest and uh, really, really happy to be part of Go Be More. Yeah, we were chatting a little bit before and I, I read this introduction now and I thought to myself, well, that introduction covers the last like two years of Mike's life. <laughs> there's, there's a lot more that went on before that. Like, I don't know. Would you like to fill us in a little bit on sort of key points in your life, some of the milestones that come to mind? Sure. Um, well, I'll start at the beginning. I was born uh, in East <laughs> LA and uh, at the Japanese hospital of East LA. Uh, my mom's attending physician was a doctor by the name of Dr. Goto, who was also the uh, doctor at the Manzanar Relocation Center, which is really kind of interesting. Hmm. Grew up in East LA and grew up in the LA area, attended Loyola High School, and I'm a graduate. And uh, my best friend moved down to San Diego when we were juniors in high school. And while he was down there attending Monta Vista High School, I met a little girl down there. I fell in love with this Monta Vista girl. And we ended up getting married after I got out of the Navy. And that was uh, 42 years ago. Raised three great kids. My oldest just turned 38. And when I was a kid growing up in L.A., I fell in love with riding my bicycle around. I've always been a cyclist. To me, riding the bike was all about freedom. And to this very day, whenever I jump on my bike, it just takes me back to being that 10-year-old kid who looks for adventure and freedom and the lure of the open road and who knows where it, where it takes me. But 
it's just this exciting for me. I just really, really don't think there's anything better than that. I went back to school when I retired from the city of Burbank, studied music at the University of California, Riverside, and got into a music program that studied mariachi and was in the very first mariachi studies class there at the University of California. And uh, it was something else being a 50-year-old guy in this class full of 18-year-old kids. And I had a blast. Uh, besides cycling, music has been a really large part of my life. I play anything from the ukulele to a stand-up bass to guitarron, fijuela, some keyboards, some little bit of percussion. And I've even been known to sing on occasion. But uh, <laughs> that's kind of where, uh, you know, people usually ask me what kind of music I enjoy the most. And I usually say liturgical. And they go, what? And that's church music. And that's kind of where I met your mom in the choir out there in Lake L.A. And uh, that was 30 years ago, Brian. 30 and, years ago, and, yep. Yep, I've been friends with your mom for over 30 years. And we've kind of over the years have developed a really amazing friendship and been through many, many things together uh, with our families and uh, got to watch you guys grow up and got to see her joy and her pride in you and your accomplishments and, and also with uh, your sisters <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and all her many, many grandchildren now. And <laughs> I've been privileged to be a part of that. But watching my and her take on my kids growing up and being part of their lives. But over the years and stuff, you know, I've been kind of riding bikes and stuff. And one thing that I've always kind of liked to work out, but I thought, well, if you worked out, it's no problem. You can go have three, four or five donuts afterwards because you worked really hard. But as I mentioned before in the, in the beginning of that, you know, nutrition wasn't really a big cornerstone at all. But when I got the word that, you know, dude, you're a, A1C is skyrocketing. You're in a diabetic state, dude. And if you don't do something about it, you know, it's not looking good. So sat down with my physician and he said, well, you know, you've always been kind of active and you need to take care of some stuff. And I was watching a program on PBS. What the heck should I eat? And that kind of got my attention. And uh, I went and looked into it further and kind of investigated the book that this program was based on and written by Dr. Mark Hyman. With the information that was presented there, I kind of turned my dietary and, and nutritional program around. And I just had last month a uh, another annual physical and blood work follow-up and totally out of the um, diabetic range. All my insulin, A1C, uh, lipid profiles, triglycerides, they're just absolutely at the bottom of the range that they could be. And like I say, I've never felt as healthy or as awesome as I've been. So and that's that, fantastic. For me, it's all about the foundation. Nutrition is the foundation. If you're going to want to get healthy, I, I think you have to learn how to eat right first before you even want to take that first step or the first ride on the bike. You have to get the food into the body first and change all that stuff around. Can I ask you about that? You, how did you approach actually changing your diet? You know, diet is such a way, way of life. I mean, I, a lot of the time, what we eat is, uh, we don't even think much about it because it, it becomes such a routine as to what we're eating. So when you went about trying to make that change, did you have a particular strategy? Did you change your rules? Did you, how did you think about it in order to try to start eating more healthy? Well, growing up, the um, nutritional information that I was fed was pretty much, you know, the standard USDA food pyramid, you know, grains and dairy and, and, you know, we need to have all these meats and no fats and all this sort of stuff. I really had to take a look at it and, and investigate this new approach, which was basically looking at more fruits and vegetables and food, other food sources as close to raw sources as possible, which means stuff that is an agribusiness that's not grown and then shipped in order to meet some kind of industrial deadlines. In other words, foods that are still full of life and still foods and fruits, vegetables that have plenty of nutrition and are grown locally 
Um, you know, it's a whole different way of looking at the stuff you're going to put into your body. So every bite that leads to health rather than putting processed foods into your system. So when, when I had this really kind of a shocking diagnosis, you know, having to say, you know, with each bite of morsel of food I'm going to put into my body, is that going to make me healthier or is it going to make me sicker? And so I had to say, you know, processed white breads, grains, sugars, pasta, you know, stuff that is it going to cause my blood sugars to skyrocket or can I control it by the type of food that I'm going to put into my mouth? Mm -hmm. So I used this one book, like I mentioned before, what the heck should I eat? And it kind of breaks down some of the myths that were fed by this, you know, agribusiness and industrial food complexes in order to sell, you know, all these processed stuff that makes a lot of money for a lot of major corporations and really doesn't do very much for keeping people healthy. So that's kind of one thing I looked at. And with that motivation, you know, is to get myself feeling better, you know, because when I'm carrying around 40 pounds of excess weight, you know, it's like, Oh man, I was feeling like a blob. You know, one of the things that elite athletes do very, very well is they they look at even really small actions that they're going to take, and they ask the question: Is this actually going to benefit me, or is it going to is it going to hurt me? Is it is it a high risk? Is it low risk? Is it is this is this something I should be doing? And it sounds like you kind of took that approach with your food. It's breaking it down to this to the ingredient level of what you're looking at and saying: Is this really? what I want to put in my mouth right now? Like, is this what I want to be ingesting? Is this, is this the right thing? And, and took it down to that sort of basic level as you were trying to analyze like what, how to change your diet. And, but did you had a, I assume you're living with your family. Did it affect your family as well? Or how, how supportive were they in this change that you went, underwent? Well, well, they were totally supportive because we were not really crazy with all the processed foods, the fast foods. We weren't really going wild with, drive-through meals and stuff, but bit by bit, this wasn't a, a like major change overnight, but bit by bit, you know, it's just our shopping uh, changed, going to farmer's market and, and really finding a new recipes and stuff and finding stuff that, finding food that tasted good, you know, mm -hmm. and, and really starting to cook. And one thing that I've done in the past year and a half was really enjoying finding ways to cook some of these really, really delicious foods. I got some great recipes and stuff. And, um, and my family has really like said, dad, that's awesome. You know? And another thing is I can treat myself once in a while with some things too. You know, it's not like, Oh my God, everything has to be so cut and dried. We can let go and, and, and enjoy, you know, every couple of weeks have something delicious. That's maybe not quite so, so healthy, but you know what, when I see the results have happened, over the course of it of the last year and a half it's like okay you know we go out to someone's celebration i'll have a little slice of cake or something you know i'm not saying oh no you know hey we're, we're part of a community too we can help celebrate that you know i'm not going to be quite so stringent you know because i'm a part of a community you know i'm going to enjoy that too Hey, Mike. So this is John. I've been listening in and stuff like that. Um, I mean, Brian uh, is kind of like the, uh, I love him kind of leading the show. I wanted to jump in and, and just kind of ask you a question about the challenge of changing the routine, because I think that you said something that's pretty interesting about kind of like what you were fed when you were younger. And, and, and then that's kind of like, that's what you just went with as you got older. And so you kind of get stuck into this way of doing things a certain way. And it, then you started asking the question of like, why don't I do it differently? What, what about other ways of doing it? You come across a book, what the heck should I eat? And I like the fact that you're basically saying that you have to challenge the routine or the habit that you're in, because if you're not, then it's going to be really hard to identify why you're doing it in the first place and then changing it as well. Do you think that that's kind of like the key for a lot of people is just kind of identifying that the routine that they're in actually being coming aware of that and kind of at least finding some kind of identifying some source of why you're in that routine in the first place. So you can start to challenge it. You know, it's really interesting, John. I was just in an earlier workshop on zoom and one of the key points was called awareness is waking up and talking about yeah. most people live their lives as they're asleep. They move yes. through life with just from, from day to day, 
they're asleep. They, they go to their jobs, they're asleep. They go through their marriages asleep. They go through raising their kids asleep. They don't come to the point of they're aware they wake up because that's painful because they have to get out of bed. They have to move. They have to open their eyes and they have to, you know, look around and discover what has to be done. And so right. we, we have to get to this point where, yeah, it, it's, you know, I'm looking at these changes I've had to make in my life. And there was a lot of things that I had to confront that were not comfortable that were not easy to do, but you know what? I didn't have to do it all at once. I had to make these little tiny changes, like huh. consistently, bit by bit by bit. You know, I didn't have to, you know, go on this, you know, water fast for six weeks to drop 30 pounds, just right. bit by bit by bit. You know, as my health improved, my energy picked up, I could do a little bit more, I can, I can walk, further, I can cycle further. And then as my life started changing incrementally, like I say, my awareness would wake up and I could say, okay, I can do this now. I can do that now. I want to do this now. I want to start eating like this now because you know what? Wow. This is making me feel so much better. And I'm now I'm enjoying this. Now this, what used to be this, the discipline of making myself do this has now become a, something I'm looking forward to. You have to fight for it first, right? That's kind of yeah. how it goes. But then it starts to get easier. And it's, that's the craziest thing about just doing the smallest things. And it's a wonderful concept that we've bought into as a, what we are developing as a systematic approach to personal growth. And, and more importantly, as a mindset, we, we got to do a better job. I'll be honest. Like we have to do a better job. And me specifically, I, I want to do a better job of, of pushing and celebrating and promoting the Just One Challenge. And the idea, it starts with one push-up, but there's so many simple, like singular, tiny, micro steps that you can take that's a part of like the, this, this bigger journey, you know, towards better health, being more educated, achieving specific types of goals, like building a business, whatever it might be. But no matter what it is, it, there is a small step that you have to take. There is a first step that you have to take. And we get so caught up in that bigger picture uh, that we, in the, in, the, in the end goal and the result and all the work tied into getting to that desired uh, result that we don't even take that first step, which is what you did. And the way you describe it, it, I mean, Brian and I, we start to smile and I know what he's thinking because I'm thinking the same thing. I'm like, that's what we're saying with the just one challenge. That's how we get people to go be more, you know? So it's wonderful just to hear your personal experience with that because it, it's validating, but it's, it's inspiring as well. Thank you. Um, well, you guys have also inspired me, like I say, to continue on my path because I see where you guys have come from. I, I look towards your experiences. I'm thinking, you know, cause I always look for inspiring individuals and see how they live their lives. And I look for little bits and pieces that I can take and put into my life and use. And I'm going to, I'm going to be honest about it. I'm going to take that and grasp it and chew it up and, and make that a part of me and take that and put it and make that a part of my dream. So um, like I say, when following Brian's running career, I would talk to him about his career to my next door neighbor's son, who was a runner at Lancaster High. And he, I would always talk to him like, oh yeah, this guy's doing this and he's at UCLA and he's like, oh, do you think I could? Yeah, yeah, you know, just, I also wanna say, um, I'm part of my background too. Um, when I was in high school, I was, I was on a cross country team as a freshman. Were you really? It was a start of um, running for me was like cross country. I had a coach named Mihaly Igloy when mm -hmm. I was a freshman. He had some wild ideas about training, interval training. I have read about him, I think. Is, wasn't he an elite runner or, or a coach of elite? Yeah, runners? he was on Hungarian Olympic team. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, in Melbourne. Wow. And um, so he coached the freshman and he was he just a freshman at your high school. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So then I got kind of, kind of started with cross country and stuff, but this short stocky Mexican kid, you know, I, I was always, I was always thought, Brian, I'm never going to be this tall, lean, slender dude, you know, 
I'm going to have these stubby little legs and stuff. But <laughs> it never, it never stopped me. In fact, I, I, I would run, run and stuff through high school and, and into the early years to get uh, of marriage and stuff. But it was all about that. Then the whole Nike waffle stomper era and stuff came out. Yeah. Oh yeah. We would run five Ks, 10 Ks every weekend with my buddies around uh, Spring Valley and the whole San Diego area. Wow. And that was, um, uh, that I'm just all these memories are starting to come back to me now. <laughs> it's beautiful to listen to it. I mean, and that's that's the whole point. I mean, we wanna we wanna soak up a little bit of the uh, of the Mike Limo story because you know that's w- what we're aiming to do with this business venture of ours is to build a community and to connect and learn from one another and to know that there's so much more to everybody's story than what we see on the surface and. Not only is that important for us to be able to help others share that with those in their uh, sphere of influence, but it's also important for us to be able to help our, each other uh, with our own growing small team uh, here at Go Be More and also to help that person to see that. So as you're reflecting on your journey, it's cool because you start to realize the story that you've been living and also how much power you actually have to create a narrative that allows you to keep growing and experiencing life in ways that you may otherwise miss out on if you don't go after and seek out that awareness so that you can say, okay, what have I been doing? How have I been living? And how can I do it better so that I can continue to have that sense of joy and excitement about life that we should have every single, as much as possible, but hopefully every single moment uh, that we're here, you know? So it's, it's really, really great to hear you gotta watch you reflecting on those memories because right. I, I start doing the same thing i'm like oh man i, I mean i went to san, first of all i grew up in san diego i went to monta vista high school and and so it's like i start thinking about spring valley i start thinking about uh running out there and living out there and 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 just you know uh what it's like being down in that part of the of california and it's right, a special right. place for sure yeah. man oh yeah, my gosh yeah yeah so thank you so much for just kind of like going down there, going, taking us down a little bit, <laughs> down memory lane with you. But, you know, i got to tell you this, too. I, another thing I thought about was um, the, the very first time they had a, the Heart of San Diego Marathon, and that was, I forgot what year it was, but the first time they ever allowed anyone to walk or run across the Coronado Bay Bridge. Oh, yeah. And, and they had a, a run from Coronado, and my buddies and I signed up to do the 10k and I didn't get into the 10k but my entry was for the marathon and so I said you know what I'm I'll run the 10k with you guys and I'll just stop at 10k and so I got to the end of the 10k and I said I'm feeling good so I did the marathon really wow <laughs> and I ran the marathon I went all the way into Jack Murphy Stadium and finished I did like five hours but I had not trained for that it was like, whoa! It was like too much. Oh, Jack Murphy Stadium! I mean, just hearing the hearing the name Jack Murphy yeah. Stadium. I mean, yeah. wow! That's 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 a while back, man. Yeah. That's really old school. Wow! Wow! Oh my gosh! Yeah, the San Diego days. That's just so cool. <laughs> and it's funny. I, I do you remember what year that was that they that they had that marathon? Because I vaguely remember that. I think it was like 83. I'm not sure. I have to look. Oh, okay. No, then I don't remember that. I, I was thinking I was thinking when they started the rock and roll series. Yeah, no, that was way before then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was thinking about when they first started the rock and roll series and they had the first San Diego rock and roll marathon. I was, it was like 1997, 98. I just started running. And my brother-in-law, who's a doctor uh, here in, in, in Newport, beach uh or not uh, my, my i'm sorry my best my best friend's brother-in-law uh he's like a mentor of my dr Hatton. he uh was into running and he knew that myself and and his brother-in-law Raphael, were into running and so he took us to the san diego rock roll marathon and it was just cool to see something like that in san diego and also it was just crazy to watch, be on the sidelines watching some of those kenyans and, oh. and running and i i mean i was probably like 
maybe like a 450 miler at the time in high school. And then Mike was like, Hey, go ahead and run next to them for try to keep up with them, you know, and, and some of the leaders as they run by. And we were running like, we had maybe like a hundred meters next to the guy. And I go, Oh my gosh, he's doing that pace for 26 miles. It was just mind blowing. Um, yeah. You know, th that experience just to kind of be around that. But San Diego has a, has, has had a pretty good running history and running scene. And, Again, I just just think hearing you talk about it is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, it's, I think you mentioned before you. Uh, I know now from you know Facebook posts and stuff. You do a lot of cycling, but you 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 enjoyed cycling from a young age and stuff. When did yeah, when did I you have. kind of start taking cycling seriously as a as something to actually I don't know, train and actually really uh, have any sort sort of set goals? It wasn't just about going out on a, on a ride every once in a while. Probably about ten years ago, kind of getting in the masters scene, you know. Mm -hmm. I would do a lot of mountain biking when my kids were growing up. We would do like a snow summit series, go up to Big Bear and, and race mountain bikes and stuff. And I would do like uh, the adult, you know, like beginners classification and stuff. And they, they do the kids. In fact, when I was working down in Escondido about seven years ago, I did um, some time trials around Fiesta Island in Mission Bay. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. There you go. And uh, so I say, hey, this is pretty cool. I came like in third place in my age group. And I thought, oh, okay, I could kind of do this. And then I started. Then I started doing a couple um, master group races for um, like California State stuff. And so I thought, you know, I would really like to focus on on training and getting a coach and stuff. And that's kind of why I started getting a little bit more serious into my, you know, another motivation for proper nutrition and um, training. So um, this year has been really kind of a, an upswing for me, but then everything kind of fell to the wayside with all the pandemic and stuff. So all the stuff I had planned for March, April, and May and June and stuff are no longer being held. And I got another email saying the event that was postponed is now going to be canceled, but yeah, yeah. in August, we'll see what happens. So it's been about, uh, about 10 years looking to like a comp competition kind of stuff, but the competition for me has been more about myself competing against looking at what I can do, you know, right. and doing my own PRs. Cause like every time I go out now, it seems like I'm always getting PRs, which are kind of like kind of exciting for me because looking at where I was 10 years ago, the weight I was carrying my health versus now, you know, with the aging process and all that sort of stuff and looking that I can get, still get PRs, you know, a decade later, it's like, oh, that's okay. You must be doing something good. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> fantastic. That's really exciting. I mean, I think one of the things that I, I see uh, whenever I'm really, it always inspires me when I see it, you post something up that says, oh, I put in 50 miles on the bike today, or I put in, I'm at 500 miles for the month or whatever the milestones that you're hitting. And I think to myself, you know, I wasn't really with you seeing your transformation over the last 10 years. But, but having heard about it, I think to myself, it's, it's really remarkable, the level that you've reached. And I hope, uh, I mean, these events will come back. You know, all these races, they're, they're, this is going to be a year off, it seems like. But I think these things are going to come back. And, and the fact that you've been able to stay out there and stick with it, and, and you haven't let this sort of, the pandemic sort of derail your fitness regimen and your approach to what you're trying to do, and you're still getting out there and doing it. I think it's great. And I think it's the right approach for right now we're going to lose a lot right now, but that doesn't mean we have to lose everything. Like we can, there's a lot that we can continue doing and there's a lot that we can still control about our lives and focus on. Uh, I think the people who do that better are going to come out of this a little bit, a little bit stronger. Right. right. So for me, I love seeing it. And, and I love when you, uh, you know, throw up your picture with your Gobi Moore shirt, telling me you put in 50 miles or something like that. I think there, there it is. You know, he's, he's out there, he's getting it done. I need to go be more uh, cycling kit. So yeah, we got to work on that. That's on us. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah well, I, I, yeah, that's one of my, my goals uh, before the end of this year is to, to, to have our team be able to find a vendor or manufacturer or part manufacturing partner of some kind that, that will work with us. And in a similar fashion as a uh, print on demand uh, business uh, would to allow us to create some really cool active apparel where people can compete and work out in like cycling stuff and uh, running up gear like singlets and shorts, uh, sure. you know, things like that, because so that's a big part of our background, uh, you know, both Brian and I as, as uh, collegiate uh, athletes and everything and uh, track and field athletes and avid runners, you know, we, we want to see more uh, of really the community that we come from buying into and, and, and falling in love with 
uh, Gobi more and what it, what it represents. I just you know speaking of obviously the brand and and creating a, a active apparel and stuff. I I'm just curious as kind of like the person that thought about this crazy idea of the gingerbread man. What's your take? Your honest take on the how what we're doing with the the brand itself or the messaging behind the brand. What what's your take on it and what what appeals to it to you? Well, when I first heard about it, I had to go back and read about the story because it's been a few years since I was familiar with the story and I went, "Hey, so this little little dude jumps up off of the cookie sheet and he says, hey, who wants to be eaten? I don't want to be eaten, you know, and he's taken off. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, and then I got kind of sad because he got eaten at the end. But right. between all, you know, getting chased by all the different critters and uh, he's probably pretty tasty, you know, because I, I do uh, have seen quite a bit of the Great British Baking Show. <laughs> yes. But uh, I thought, you know, here, here's a, definitely a story for our times because we are created, each one of us has a unique and special gift inside of us. And most of us don't know what that is unless we are fortunate enough to be willing to look for that and to find and to discover it. And once we do, then it's a whole nother level to want to get out there into the world with that and to share it and to shout, here I am, you know, and I am not what you want to make of me, put me in this box. I am going to go and spread my gift and share it with the world. So that's kind of my take on it, you know, because there's so many ways the world wants to put us in a little box, wants to put us on a little cookie sheet and consume us. It's, it's the rare individual that can say, no, I was created for something greater than this. And right. uh, come join me. And that's what you guys are saying. Come join us, you know, in our, in our quest, you know, because we can go ahead and we can just absolutely change the world, you know, and, uh, and have a great time doing it. Well said. Change, we can change the world by unleashing the gifts that we were born with and, and discovering those gifts. And that's, I mean, honestly, gosh, I'm going to steal some of your words, Mike. That's so well said. That's so well said. It's so beautiful. When I started thinking about the idea, and I'm sorry, Brian, I know you're going to jump in here in just a second. But when I, when, I, when I thought of the idea in the beginning, it was funny. Like, I wasn't even that familiar with the Gingerbread Man story. But when, the, when the idea popped in my head of, like, finding and creating something that represented the message that I share as a public speaker, uh, to, to the youth and to, you know, all, I speak to audiences of all ages. My whole thing is just, I just love people and I just want to share in some way, capture the essence of the message that I've, as I'm discovering and understanding the purpose of life and the value that we all have. And, and that's what the gingerbread man, as I got to know the story, the character came up as a runner and a little brown runner. And I'm like, I'm brown. I'm a runner. Maybe that'd be a cool logo. <laughs> and then I started it. looking at it and I'm like, wait a minute, GBM, go be more gingerbread man. He's running. He's overcoming all this stuff. But I started unpacking the story and I go, wow, this is actually kind of special, you know, and I couldn't let it go. Once the idea came to me and I believe this for all people, what we do with those ideas and what we're supposed to do with them. Well, the first part of the thing to start to work on it and it will reveal to you what's the purpose of the idea, the goal, the dream that's coming to you in the first place. It's addressing some need, some question that you have that you need to answer. And obviously sometimes it's just for you and sometimes it's for you to share with others. And this is definitely one of those things where I was like, this is definitely not just for me. This is, this is, this came to me for a reason and it's funny how the story has become that for us as this, as the brand's a brand message. It's it's about helping others to realize that story that we have bought into as is, like that gingerbread man story, which is also kind of the way that we buy into our own lives, and how reimagining that story is the same thing that we want people to do for themselves, to wake up and to realize that regardless of who's quote unquote fault it is, we're buying into a story and we need to realize that in that that routine, right? Like kind of how you're describing like, well, I eat a certain way. That's how I was raised. So that's how I ate. And then I had to challenge that, what I was taught in order to actually be able to make the change. So I had to realize it and then make the change. We need people to realize that 
even if it's not meant to be in a, in a bad way, you know, we're all being conditioned to follow a role and buy into certain identities and play certain roles. And what we, we get caught up in trying to do what we think we're supposed to do. And we totally get further and further away from who we were born to be, what our true passions are and what our gifts are that we should be sharing with the world that would actually be of great benefit if it was shared for a multitude of reasons that I can't even begin to list. I just truly believe that that's the beauty of this brand's message and that as more people begin to understand like why we chose the gingerbread man, I think it's going to be even easier for them to fall in love with Gobi more. Well said. It was so easy for me to say, I got to have one of them t-shirts. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we're, we're constantly, you know, coming up with new ideas and, and iterations as far as, you know, apparel designs and stuff. And th this, this is definitely the beginning of something I believe that's really special. Uh, but honestly, the fact that it, it touched your life and your heart, I feel like, you know, we've, we've accomplished something very special if it's just had a, that kind of a positive impact on one person. So again, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I definitely want to say thank you for supporting us and uh, giving us that fuel to keep going because every everybody matters to us and every purchase, every mention, every time you think about us, it, it means a lot. So we really appreciate that. Oh, you're definitely welcome, my friend. Mike, when you're talking about everybody has a unique and special gift, you're at a point, as far as I, I know, I don't know if you're still working in any capacity, but you're retired. You've had a varied life, a lot of different experiences. Right now, is there a way that you're sort of viewing your life in terms of what you what you want to do, what where you what you want to accomplish next, or or do you think in terms of trying to share you know something in particular? Well, what I'm looking at my next chapter is my volunteer work, sharing my gift for music. Mm -hmm. I teach grade school, elementary school children, and I also teach uh, senior citizens, and so I have two ends of the spectrum, beautiful. the youngsters and the seniors. And music to me is just another way to express the emotions from your heart that usually words, the written word or the spoken word fails us, but somehow music seems to bypass sections of that and lets us express ourselves. And being able to teach music to me is just, I have such a, wonderful time connecting with these people and i've had uh, little kids superstars who week after week will write a new song for me and share it with me wow and i tell you that is amazing and then i'll have some seniors who oh i used to play that when i was in high school mm -hmm. and they pick it up and after a couple weeks they can play a song and they are absolutely amazed at the memories that come back to them when they're playing that. Wow. So for me, that is just, it's just beautiful that I can share that and, and someone else can ignite that spark in them. How did you get introduced into, into music? I mean, you, you mentioned a ton of instruments that you play. I've only known you in a capacity of, of a, as a musician, right? Because uh, when we met, it was through the my, the church choir, and and so you would be at our house on you know Tuesday nights or something doing choir practices. Right. And I just knew you as a guitarist, uh, but then gradually I got to know you as somebody who who actually was just very musically inclined. You did other instruments. You you were, you were very passionate about music generally. I always joke in in that uh, my mom is married, but you're her like musical life partner. Like she's <laughs> well, yeah. Go ahead. My wife. My wife calls your mom my ukulele wife. Ukulele wife, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's awesome. Uh, but I, I got into music through the elementary school I went to. I went to a Catholic elementary school and they were teaching kids guitar. And it was kind of cool because they were having something called folk masses where we would play guitars in church and stuff. And so a bunch of us kids started playing guitar there, and that's kind of how I got into it. And um, and I thought I was I thought I was okay. I could play okay. And high school and stuff. And we had, you know, it was all about the Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and it was all about, you know, Bob Dylan, and it was all, you know, all that folk scene, and then Beatles and Stones and, and Creedence Clearwater playing rock and roll. And then um, I 
started getting serious about it and started teaching myself how to read music and went, like I mentioned before, going back to UC Riverside and getting into the music department and learning music theory and music harmony and starting to get really involved in how does this stuff work, you know, learning all about sight reading and, and putting together, being able to read music. And so developing that way and then, you know, then developing my ears and being able to hear stuff and being able to put stuff down on paper. Like one instructor told me, you have to be able to hear what you see that's written in front of you. And then you have to be able to write down what you hear. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, okay. So just it's just like learning another language, Brian. It's like learning a language, how to read and write. Brian, did you play any musical instruments or did you, you yourself, Brian, do that? No, I, I, I have a quick story, but like that, but. I didn't. And I, it's, it's, a, it's a small point of regret at this point in that I do believe very strongly that if you, if you have a musical background, it just sort of opens up a different way of understanding things, a different way of seeing things. And I'm very fascinated by that in general, like the way a lot of, of my core interest is how we view the world and how, how those sort of lenses we, we view on the world affect our ability to interpret it and our ability to, to experience it. And I don't have a strong memory. There was no memory where my mom said, I want you to do this. And I rebelled and said, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to learn piano. But I think what, what the reality of it was that I was a little <laughs> kid who was really into sports and my dad was really into sports and we did sports all the time. If in, I would be in a, in a baseball team, in a soccer team, in a, in a basketball team, whatever we were doing. And then when I wasn't in a team, my dad and I were outside playing sports. And I just don't think it was really emphasized in that way as a, as a, as a core thing that I was going to do. So no, unfortunately, I don't. I, I will say one thing is I'm trying to learn the piano a little bit right now. My daughters are learning it and I'm trying to keep up with them. I can see exactly what you're saying, Mike, the, the, the ability to see the page and sort of look at it and slowly start to recognize, oh, that's a, that's a C chord or that's a, that's a G chord or something, even without having, to, having the letters and stuff. I'm so early on in the process, though, that it's 90% mistakes, 10% doing it well. And, and at this point, mm -hmm. you know, I, can, I see the similarities to learning a language. I see the similarities to learning a lot of other things. You know, and so I'm able to look at it and say, that's ah, fine. I'm just gonna, it's going to take time. I'm going I'm to put in my small amount of time and I'm going to keep working on it and I'll get there. I'm so early in my particular sort of musical journey that I have a long way to go before I can actually say like, oh, I can, I can do anything musically. Quick question for you though, Brian, as you, how does it make you feel as you learn something new, like the piano though? Like, how does it make you feel as oh, you're doing man, it? Like, me, do you feel good when, when things kind of like start to click a little bit? Oh, if I can go from like C chord to E chord and not hit every other key in between, I just feel like a champion. Like I'm, I'm, that's, that's, that's a, that's a minor yeah. victory for me right now. Right. Um, but the, um, but, but yeah, no, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the best part. It is something that I, it's a small thing and it's something that I can kind of share with my daughters right now, which is also making it a little bit easier to keep doing it and, and feel good about. If I was just doing it on my own, I don't know if I'd be as consistent, but I'm, I'm trying to keep up with my seven-year-old. And she's a willing practicer who will, who's getting better, uh, you know, every day. And it's become a nice little side project. But to be honest, I put probably about 15, 20 minutes a day into it. It's not something that I'm training. You know, I'm not really going, trying, trying. I don't have a specific goal to be able to play this song or anything. It's just sort of a, uh, an, a, a consistent activity to sort of expand my, my mind a little bit and, and learn some of the fundamentals. For you, uh, Mike, as, as far as music is concerned, because I, I played the trumpet for 10 years, you know, and I was Whoa. introduced to it because of the uh, elementary school situation where a couple of my friends were doing the, doing the you know, getting to go to a, the junior high and, and the, the junior high music teacher was teaching, kind of like trying to introduce music to the elementary school kids so that when they got to the junior high, they considered joining the band. And he had all these extra instruments that people could rent out and actually experiment. And my couple of the guys that I was closest to that I, I was kind of competitive with too, they were doing the trumpet and they were pretty good. So I'm like, I'm going to do the trumpet. And I fell <laughs> in love with it. And I got really, really good at it. And I actually made like the San Diego Youth Symphony. And I was, I was pretty good. I honestly kind of wish I would have continued it. But then track and field came along and I quit everything else and just got into running. But I, and I did still play just for fun on my own. But the world of music in general, I just have to say, because I love it and I miss it because I don't do it the way that I used to do it. But 
learning jazz and, and playing a part, being a part of symphonies, youth symphonies and, and writing and learning music. When you said when you need to be able to look at the music and hear it and then also then, you know, be able to play it. But it was crazy. Like I would hear the music everywhere. I would hear songs and, and hum songs and make up stuff and then I had to go try to make it on my plate on my trumpet. And I found myself starting to compose music as well. And I mean, I would just be locked up in the garage and my parents, of course, would close the door and give me the mute and just like, but I'd be blasting away for hours. You know, I'd, I'd be in there just sweating and just playing it. And it was just like, it's, I can't, I'm honestly, it's weird, even maybe even more than running. I was like, wow, the world that you can go into when you start to just play your music. Like John Mayer said this amazing quote about practicing. He's like, practice i don't practice ever he says i don't consider when i do something that i love practice i'm just playing and i said man that's what music to me that's what music feels like so the the fact that that's i'm not surprised that, that you say this a part of your life but man i can't i can't i i just i feel like it's not just a part of like it's who you are it becomes who you are because it's opening the side of you that a lot of us don't really get to experience if we don't make music in some way shape or form and i feel i do feel bummed out for people to, who don't even taste that because I, I i feel like that's that's a magical world man it really is well that's a part of, of go be more you talk about you talked about something you love you talk about passion mm -hmm. That's the dream, whether it be music or running or cycling. Because for me, today, the winds were blowing 30 miles an hour. And I'm jumping oh. on my bike and I'm digging it, you know, and I'm heading into the wind and I'm yeah. just howling through my, and I'm like, I'm just getting to that Zen space. I'm getting into that, just getting my body is just flowing. And I'm looking up, I go, my God, two miles have already gone. Where did it go? You know? And it's, I love it, you know, it was just like, because like I was telling Brian, I'm telling your mom, she says, what are you doing? I says, well, I'm strengthening and making my mitochondria more efficient. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's chasing that dream that you love. And that's, that's what that gingerbread man's doing, you know? He sure is, man. I tell you, every time I look at him, it's just that's what the reminder's supposed to be. And and I and it's, I feel lucky to be part of trying to uh, build this beautiful uh, brand. But uh, I feel very lucky that I have something like this. That every day, I tell you, those three words, whenever I'm challenged, and I'll be honest with you, man, life doesn't get easier because you come up with something that's inspirational. You just get lucky because you have something to rely on. It becomes a tool, you know. Things are hard no matter what. And things, there's always going to be challenges. And the the hope that we have with this brand is that it becomes a tool that people can rely on. Those three words become a source of that they can use to in, in strengthen and boost their commitment to chasing their dreams. A reminder to take the higher road to be a better person, to keep growing. You know, that's what it's all about. And that little guy, like you said, you know, he didn't, he want, he didn't want to just be eaten. You know, he wanted to try to experience more. And I think that we all are fighting for that. And anything that we can have to remind us of that every day is what it's really all about for us and, and, and what we're fighting for as we fight to get this, this brand to be recognized by others and, and utilized, you know, to help them grow. Mike, before we go, I want to ask you, you've had this amazing life transformation over the last couple of years. You had a, a diagnosis that I'm sure at the time was really difficult to accept. You've, over the course of a couple of years, really transformed your life. Is there anything that stands out to you that you feel like is the core, the core, I don't know, idea or, or belief that helped you get through it that you think would be useful for other people to, to have in the back of their mind? Maybe they've, maybe they've experienced a diagnosis recently similar to what you had, or maybe, maybe they're struggling to get started on, on, on the change that they want to make. Any advice that you might have from your experience that you feel is worth sharing? You, you know, the, what really comes into my mind is, you know, being a human being, and being a social animal, it's it's really difficult that you can't do it alone. And I'm really mm -hmm. fortunate to have a partner that supports me 110% and makes it part of her journey too. We do this together. 
And I can also say the fact that having an accountability partner in your mom, you know, sharing stuff with her and getting her feedback is really, was really important and is important to me, you know, having that friendship. I think about, like you say, you share your dreams and goals with other people and then they hold you accountable. They ask you questions. Well, what did you do today? How are you feeling? What's happening? What's going on? That's really important. And it's really important to me because I can say that, you know what, I, I did, I had an awesome day today. I did this and that. Or, you know what, I fell a little bit. I, I wasn't doing so good. This is what happened. And to be able to share my uh, ups as well as my downs and disappointments with someone else and to talk about it. And, and it's for them to say, you know, it's going to be all right. And, you know, tomorrow, let's try it again. That That's really, really critical. And then to have an organization, a company, a brand like yours to say that, you know, hey, we believe in you guys too, that we do this. And there's others too that are out there that can support you too. You can reach out. And that's that was really awesome. And um, like I say, it's it's a journey, you know, and, and we all have to take that first step. That's up to us to do it. But once we take that first step, like none of us, some quote I saw talked about, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Mm, I like that. Beautiful. So anyway, that's, you know, what came to my mind. Thank you very much. I think we're going to end here. Mike, it's been a real pleasure having you on the podcast. It's been, I mean, it's been a pleasure knowing you for 30 years, but I feel like over the last, over the last six months, I've gotten to know you so much better than just as, as the guy who comes over to play piano, uh, to play, to play guitar for the, for the choir practice, you know? Yeah, that's true. So I really, I feel, uh, I loved so much of, of what you shared and I'm, I'm really uh, excited that you've joined this journey with us. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Both you Thanks guys again, Mike. Both. Yeah, no, pleasure, pleasure. It's been an honor to be here. Anytime, we will to talk with you guys. So love it. Well, I'm sure we'll ha- I will be having you having you on again, and and you just keep doing what you're doing, Mike. We 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 love okay. sharing your love seeing your story. We love sharing your story. We're excited to share your story through this episode. Uh, but you just you just keep doing what you're doing because you are inspiring to us, and you're right, definitely man. inspiring others. Okay. All right. Well, that does it for this episode of the Go Be More podcast. We want to once again, thank Mike Lemos for joining us today. You can find the links to any articles or items we referenced in the show notes. Don't forget to like and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast player. A rating really does help others find the show. For John and Mike, I'm Brian. We are what the world is chasing and we hope this podcast helps you become what the world is chasing too.